The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. Today's world news, what it means, where it's taking us. I bring you the one and only possible message of world peace. This is a message of hope, tremendous hope. And he said unto me, you must prophesy again. The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. In this heightened environment, there's no question we're seeing an increase in reported threats, and we've got to be on the lookout, especially for lone actors who may take inspiration from recent events to commit violence of their own. I am very sorry to say I think the risk of a major terrorist attack in the United States is higher today than it has been at any time since September 11, 2001. And it's a combination, number one, of Biden's disastrous foreign policy that has produced the, 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 the biggest war in the Middle East and the, and the most significant attack on Israel in 50 years. So we're in a situation now where we know that multiple terrorists who are on the watch lists have infiltrated the United States. And our, our government did nothing to stop that. They've opened our, our southern border completely. So I, I think the United States is one giant soft target. Terrorists on the border and in our country. In our country, Chuck, they're already here, huh? They're in, John. If we think for a second that our border hasn't been exploited to the point that we have multiple terrorists that have already made their way into the country, then we're suffering from another failure of imagination as we did prior to 9-11. Look, John, Israel and what's going on over there has a direct impact on our threat level here at home. Rarely does a president confront so much peril. The catastrophe in Israel, the war in Ukraine, and no help from a paralyzed Congress. Late Thursday, we met President Biden at the White House. It had been a rough week, and we could see it on him. Mr. Biden will be 81 next month, and he has said that when he's tired, his lifelong stutter can creep back in. But he wedged us into his schedule to express his commitment to Israel, after the massacre of more than a thousand civilians eight days ago. 29 Americans were killed, 15 are missing, and at least a small number of them are known to have been taken hostage. So President Biden's deep emotional reaction to the Hamas terror attacks has really translated into a forceful American response and defense of Israel. And David, he seems to be navigating this line of saying that he understands the necessity of Israel's overwhelming retaliation, but he's also saying that he sees the importance of, of sparing the lives of civilians and making sure that Israel adheres to the rules of law, rules yeah, of war. I thought this was one of Joe Biden's best weeks as president, but I, I just thought it was a magnificent week. That last guy there, that's David Brooks, you Google him, he's seen as a, a conservative, says it's a magnificent week for Joe Biden. And then, and then what do you have to say about Scott Pelley? as he sets up the softball interview, defends Biden through and through, basically says, yeah, he's, he's uh, performing magnificently well as well. It, lots to unpack with that opening montage. It is nice to see Chris Ray uh, finally looking for real terrorists instead of grandmas who, who took pictures in the Capitol on January 6th. But here are all of these talking heads saying that the U.S., I mean, we're the biggest soft target there is. 
and you've got terrorists just streaming into the country. You're listening to Stephen Flurry. This is the Trumpet Daily. We're off and running on another week of broadcasting here at kpcg.fm. We don't mention the radio station as much anymore now that we broadcast live. We stream the program live. You can get to the live video stream of this show at trumpetdaily.com or at our Rumble channel. Just go to rumble.com forward slash Trumpet Daily, and you can watch the show live every weekday morning at 11 a.m. in the central time zone of the United States. Also, don't forget about the evening replay if you want to join an even bigger audience every night at LFA TV. That's live from America TV, 8 p.m. central time zone on LFA TV. That, too, is a rumble channel. The Scott Pelley 60 Minutes interview last night, I think Sundance put it best in saying that it was just pathetic, really pathetic, (laughs) to set up all the questions even, making it so simple for the man that's about to be 81 and that still struggles with the stutter, they pointed out in the the opening monologue, saying, saying basically, asking questions so that the, the, the puppet can just give a yes or no answer. What a, I mean, what a horrific week. And it's there in the monologue from Scott Pelley. 29 Americans, just, just to focus on America alone. Of course, there, it's up to like 1,400 who were butchered just nine days ago. And, and judging by the worldwide protests, in Western nations, you, you wouldn't know a thing about it. They're not out there protesting the butchering of babies in southern Israel. No, no, they're, they're protesting Israel, if you can believe it. Tens of thousands of them. We'll get to that in a little bit. We've got some, uh, some footage that's just, you shake your head in disbelief. But 29 Americans murdered. 15 of them missing, who knows how many of them are trapped inside of the Hamas tunnels, being tortured, raped for nine days. And and what is the United States doing? I guess if you listen to Scott Pelley and David Brooks, I guess we're doing everything that we can. We're doing nothing. We're doing nothing. It's the kind of interview, as Sundance said at Conservative Treehouse, that generally speaking, you just... uh, you just ignore. But given what's happening in the world, okay, let's tune in and see what Joe Biden has to say about everything that's happened these past nine days. 1,400 murdered, 3,600 injured. The death toll keeps going up because some of the injured aren't making it. Or they're finding more charred bodies, Israelis that have been burned alive. And, and many are now saying 150 hostages. I'm old enough to remember the, uh, the Iran hostage crisis from 1979 on into the start of Reagan's pres- presidency. I believe that was 60, 60 American hostages. I don't know if there was as much rape or torture going on. I can't, it's been a long time since I've read anything about it. But this... 150, and not just from Israel and America, hostages from France, from Italy, from Germany, from Britain. 
from all over the place. And yet, as I say, judging by what's getting the coverage now, you don't even hear about the hostages. This is, a, this is the greatest hostage crisis for the West since, since what? what? What else can compare to it in our modern era? Listen to Jake Tapper. This is Jake Tapper 2.0. I like the new Jake Tapper. He's pressing the NSA guy, Jake Sullivan, yesterday on his show, Clip 3. Is rescuing the hostages a priority at all? I mean, Israeli news media, like Haaretz, they say it doesn't seem like it at all. And, and frankly, Jake, if my kids were being held hostage in Gaza, and as you know, there are Americans being held hostage in Gaza right now, I'd want you, be, you to send in the Navy SEALs. What, what's the conversation like in the White House about the U.S. conducting any sort of operations in order to save Americans being held hostage in Gaza? Well, the president has been very clear that he has no higher priority than getting Americans back safe, Americans who are being held hostage by Hamas. The Israelis are right bombing now. the crap out of Gaza, and, and, Jake. I mean, w- w- that, that doesn't seem like saving the hostages are a priority at all right now. It's not. It's not. The Biden people talk more about making sure Israel abides by the rules of war than they do about our own hostages tortured and raped in those tunnels underneath Gaza. You heard the footage uh, last week, gut-wrenching. The father, who was relieved to find out that his eight-year-old girl was murdered, as opposed to her being in the, the tunnels in Gaza, alive, worse than death. Who's spe- What are they doing? I guess working through third parties? Listen, this is from the same show, in exchange with uh, Tapper and Sullivan, clip four. One senior political operative with Hamas floated the possibility a few days ago of a potential prisoner swap with the U.S. for the release of hostages. Would, Would the U.S. entertain that? We have not uh, looked at at that, that we have not heard from them something like that. Our focus is on working through those third country channels, and I'll leave it at that for now. Okay, third country channels. Uh, haven't yet heard from Hamas. Uh, we'll, we'll get back to you when we hear back from Hamas. Nine days in. And, uh, you know, here's Tapper talking about a potential prisoner swap. And you know how these have gone historically. Brent uh, Noctegal pointed that out last week. In some cases, a thousand Palestinian prisoners for one Israeli soldier. What do you do? What kind of a swap do you, do you have to put out or put forward to these barbarians when they've got as many as 150 held hostage? Hamas is uh, sitting pretty good. In some cases, forcing their own people from, from fleeing south because they'd rather see uh, their people die in the bombings so that they can uh, put them out there, use them as, as human shields, And then show BBC that Israel's killing women and children. No, that's what they did. And they aimed for them. They went into southern border looking. They went into southern Israel looking for civilians, particularly women and children. And they butchered them. Or they burned them alive. They killed them in cold blood. What about the hostages? You've got, you've got people on the radical left here in the United States 
that are already, they're already putting forward plans to bring in as many Palestinian refugees from, from Gaza. You know, the ones that Egypt doesn't want, will not take. Jordan won't take them. Saudi Arabia won't take them. What do those nations know about the Palestinians in Gaza that America doesn't know? Well, for Americans working in, in D.C., like the squad, as far as they're concerned, bring them in. If they hate America, so do we. Bring in another grievance group. Next time we have protests in New York City or, or Los Angeles, it can be twice as big. We can have, have 100,000 Palestinians from Gaza in the next protest on our soil. Protests erupting all over the earth. Not in support of Israeli Jews. No, no. Anti-Israel protests. The New York Post commenting on this exchange that Joe Biden had with uh, Scott Pelley. Pelley asking, asking the puppet about uh, occupying Gaza. Like, what, what's the end game here? What's the end game? And of course, Biden is quick to say, no, no occupation. Can't have any of that. We just want them to get rid of the Hamas fighters and then to move back out. This is clip five. Would you support Israeli occupation of Gaza at this point? I think it'd be a big mistake. Look, what happened in Gaza, in my view, is Hamas and the extreme elements of Hamas don't represent all the Palestinian people. Right. They don't represent the Palestinian, the Palestinian people that came out to cheer the parades with Israeli bodies, dead bodies. These, the culture, the culture in this community, it's there from the beginning. Little children, I mean, you've probably seen the footage of, of uh, the Palestinian boys picking on the seven-year-old Jewish boy in Gaza. He's a hostage. Another one of the hostages. They, they have Jew hatred they're bombarded with it on TV, in school, all over the place. Of course, there's a few exceptions that want to flee and get to Egypt if, if Egypt would open its border. But Hamas, they lead the Gaza Strip. And even if Abbas over at the West Bank, if he says something condemnatory, well, if you, if you haven't noticed, they've got to dial it back. Hamas is running the show. Hamas's paymaster is in Iran. Iran is a powerful nation in that region of the world. Iran is the number one state sponsor of terror. These people have a lot of support. Look at the demonstrators. They're all over the place. Again, they're not, they're not waving signs says, saying, how dare you kidnap a seven-year-old Israeli boy? How dare you butcher babies? They're coming out and denouncing Israel. At this time, if you can believe it, the radical left, they, you know, they're out there basically defending Hamas or maybe some, some of the more moderate Democrats. They've gone mum at the moment because, wow, uh, I guess I wasn't expecting an atrocity as horrific as what we saw a week ago Saturday. But as I say, when you look at Tlaib and you look at Omar and you look at AOC, I mean, the ideology, 
There are some similarities there. That's why they, they're coming out and defending Hamas and condemning Israel, or in the case of one of the squad members, she couldn't even condemn openly the killing of little babies. Listen again to uh, Joe Biden talking tough in the interview with respect to, well, I guess you could say it's tough talk. It's, it's almost laughable at the same time, but this is from that 60 Minutes piece, clip six. There's limited fighting already on the northern Israeli border, and I wonder what is your message to Hezbollah and its backer, Iran? Don't. Don't, don't, don't. Don't come across the border. Don't escalate this war. That's right. There's Pelly uh, again, answering the question for him. All he has to say is don't, or yes, or no. They, they must be laughing behind closed doors in Tehran, in Qatar, in Gaza City, laughing. Melanie Phillips had a piece about these massive demonstrations all over the world, right, right in the heart of London. There's a graphic, by the way. Go to the graphic first and show, show London after they butchered the babies, Hamas, that is. You know, another day in London, just normal on the streets. And then a few days later, out come the tens of thousands, perhaps hundreds of thousands, to protest against Israel. Now that brings them out. That brings out the masses. Most of them Muslims. Britain's been inviting them in for decades. America too. Look at Dearborn, Michigan and some of these other places. It says a lot about... The infil- we know about the communist infiltration, but there's other infiltrators as well. And we've been going on with this experiment. Multiculturalism, just invite every culture in. And in some cases, invite the cultures that absolutely despise you. And then you have them right in your midst. And then it can destroy you from within. How about that? Melanie Phillips says thousands believe that Palestinian genocide is resistance and Israeli resistance is genocide. They've got it exactly backwards. There has been widespread shock and disgust at the massive pro-Palestinian demonstrations held yesterday in London and other British uh, cities. People are shocked in Britain. But why should they be? Like I said, they've been inviting in the whole world for decades. And now they see, wait a second, these demonstrators, you know, I'm talking about uh, people of Britain that still have a little bit of sense left. They can think somewhat rationally, objectively, and they're looking at that saying, wait, they're protesting against Israel after Israel was attacked in the most brutal slaughter you could imagine? And people are having a hard time wrapping their minds around this. That's what she's addressing. It says, with the civilized world still reeling from the harrowing images of last Saturday's barbaric Palestinian Hamas pogrom, in which at least 1,300 Israelis were murdered, with babies and the elderly among those who were butchered, beheaded, and burned alive, and around 150 kidnapped into Gaza as hostages, these demonstrations were beyond obscene. Beyond obscene. She says the pro-Palestinian mob displayed not one placard, 
protest, not one placard protesting against the depravity of Hamas, no revulsion at the murder of children, rape of women, and decapitation of babies, no horror at the fate of the hostages, none of that. The best, I guess, that you can get out of, out of them, those on the streets, is they say, well, they didn't really decapitate the babies. That didn't happen. Well, what about the 1,400 butchered people? I saw one this morning, this woman basically saying that Hamas went in there and treated Israelis nicely, gave them a glass of water. There you go. Elsewhere, the mob chanted, Kaibar, Kaibar, O Jews, the army of Muhammad will return. The infamous chant referring to the 7th century slaughter of the Jews of Kaibar by Islam's founder, Muhammad. That's what they're out in the streets chanting. In our nations! People in Britain are shocked by this mass display of moral barbarism because they have failed to understand certain things. It really shows how Western education has been infiltrated by multiculturalism, by balkanization. It starts on campus and then it spreads out from there. You're seeing it play out over the weekend with these demonstrations. Melanie Phillips says they don't understand that the Middle East conflict is not a fight over a division of land, but a genocidal war against the Jewish state fueled by fanatical Palestinian Arab Jew hatred and that supporters of the Palestinians, whatever they think they are supporting, are actually endorsing that unconscionable agenda. It's established on, established on Jew hatred. And of course, my father's written before, uh, the Key of David booklet comes to mind, about the source of that Jew hatred. It traces itself all the way back to the God of this world, Satan the devil, the father of lies, the father of murder, John 8 and verse 44. He hates spiritual Jews. And he hates the Jewish state as well. He wants to blot it out, just like he wants to blot out America, just like he wants to blot out Great Britain. And all that history, I was covering that point this morning from the Ezekiel booklet. We were going through Ezekiel 28 in doctrines class. And my father has that section in the Ezekiel booklet about how that Satan wants to blot out his own history. God reminded him. He said, look, you were, you were trained at the mountain of God. You are the covering cherub of God's throne. And then I set you on the throne of this earth to administer God's government on this earth. And instead, you trusted in your own beauty. You wanted to exalt your own throne, even above God's throne, your maker's throne. This is history that Satan the devil, he doesn't want to be reminded of this. He doesn't want to be reminded of his own history. He wants to blot out the glorious history, not perfect, but the glorious and in so many ways the majestic history of Great Britain, the British Empire, and the United States of America, the single greatest superpower in history. Why? Well, this book gets into the why of it. The United States and Britain in Prophecy. We've referred to it before. It tells you why we were the recipients of such unmatched prosperity, wealth, peace, strength, power. And what little power is left, it's being spent in vain. 
Joe Biden going on last night. Oh, sure, we can support a war effort in Israel. We can support it in Ukraine. And uh, we're, we're, uh, we're America, he said. I'll play it later if I have time. They don't understand that anti-Semitism is not just another form of racism or hatred of the other, but a unique, paranoid, and murderous derangement of the mind directed at the Jewish people alone. What's behind that deranged hatred of, of just one race in particular? I mean, here, here we, we hear in the United States all the time about racism, racism, racism. And here it's happening in plain sight. And it's so obvious. They're not looking to divide the land over there. They want it. They want they want to infiltrate Israel so that they can just kill Jews. Kill them. We'll find racism anywhere over here, just with a, a hint, just with a thought, maybe. And that'll be that'll be in the news cycle for days. Oh, particularly if it's a prominent individual. If he says thing, if he says something just a little bit off, racism. What about the hatred for the Jews? And why should this be a surprise? You know, Melanie Phillips, in her article, she talks about how she wrote her book, Londinistan, back in 2006. Hard to believe that it's almost 20 years old, that book. But she, you know, she was called an Islamophobe and all the names. You're you're hostile to the Arab states, the Arab nations. And she was... She was uh, writing about the, the infiltration of Britain. And she's, she was right. And the same thing has happened here. And now you see all these demonstrations and some people's sensibilities are a little bit shocked. Wait a minute. Are they actually on the streets for the reason that they're chanting? Can this be happening in London? In New York City? In, in Western Europe, she says here, suddenly much of Britain is realizing that it has a monster in its midst. The fact that so many are surprised is part of the problem, for Britain and the West have carefully nurtured this for decades and vilified anyone who has tried to sound the alarm. They vilified her when she came out with her book in 2006. Now they realize, now they realize that they've nurtured this monster for decades. If you think Melanie Phillips was ahead of her time back in uh, 2006, what about Herbert Armstrong? This is a quote from uh, this booklet. He was right on the communist infiltration. It's from 1956. He says, what we fail to grasp in the struggle with Russia is this. She talks in her in her article about the the communist mindset, Melanie Phillips. Let me just see if I can find that uh, quickly because I think I skipped over it. She says, hatred of its own culture and its inherited values made it all too vulnerable to Palestinian Arab lies forged in the infernal crucible of Soviet mind control and laundered by the West's intelligentsia and progressive clauses, classes, I should say, there's this, this blend together 
of all of these forces working against the nation from within. And as I say, Mr. Armstrong was writing about that, certainly that communist, that Soviet mind control back in the 1950s. He said, what we fail to grasp in the struggle with Russia is this. We're not fighting a single nation in a military war, but a gigantic worldwide plainclothes army masquerading as a political party seeking to conquer the world with an entirely new kind of war warfare. It's a kind of warfare we don't understand or know how to cope with. It uses every diabolical means to weaken us from within, sapping our strength, perverting our morals, sabotaging our educational system. You see, it sabotaged the educational system. You might have some moderate Democrats, even, even some among the, not very many, not enough anyway, that are looking at these demonstrations going, well, wait a second, uh, have we taken this a little bit too far? Is multiculturalism, is that really something that we should keep celebrating? Or has it failed us? You can't even get a few hundred people to come out in support of Jews in Israel after more than a thousand of them are butchered while sleeping in their kibbutz. Some real, real sickening stuff. The more radical among the Democrats, they look at this and say, hey, get out there, take to the streets and support Hamas. So the, same, the same young lady, I forget what street, street she was on, what city, she's insisting that Hamas is not a terrorist organization. I think it was in Canada. Hamas was not a terror or is not a terrorist organization. That, that, she's a product of Western education, this woman. And she comes into Canada, she enjoys all the benefits, all the handouts that, that Western governments are so eager to give to anybody. Let's get the refugees in here. We'll take them. And then they hate their home country in return. How about that? What, what other nations in the world do this? Except for the United States, Canada, uh, the UK, uh, Australia, New Zealand. And then they take to the streets and protest against Israel or their own government. There's plenty of, there's plenty of uh, f policy failures to go around. We touched on a fair bit of it last week, how Israeli intelligence could have missed this incursion, and, and even, you know, even the CIA. Maybe they're too busy hunting down grandma instead of actual terrorists. This is a uh, from Unheard last week. What's behind Barack Obama? And this, this website is basically saying how that America's uh, foreign policy these past many years, going back to the first and second term of the dear leader, that, that basically uh, they've set Israel up for this trap. This is uh, speaking of Obama's silence. He had the one tweet last Monday evening, and that's it. The dear leader has been pretty quiet. Joe Biden, at least he goes on 60 Minutes, but then you've got Scott Pelley basically framing everything for him just perfectly, asking him a simple yes or no answer, 
and saying, you know, it's been a, it's been a, a, a difficult few days, but look at how he's handled everything. He's really trying hard to get those American hostages freed. What's behind Barack Obama's silence on Israel? That's the title of the article. It says, the situation unfolding in Israel is precisely the one for which Obama laid the foundation during the eight years of his presidency. It says, the Iran deal, in whose name the administration twisted itself into a moral pretzel, was forced into policy. Not because Obama has any great passion for the mullahs in Tehran, but because it was predicated on a wholesale restructuring of the Middle East. Obama wanted to restructure the Middle East. It's all part of the fundamental transformation. You know, we talk a lot about tomorrow's news today. This is the latest trumpet right here. With Obama, the dear leader, he's right there on the cover. But I want to give you a quote from one two years ago. This is July of 2021, so over two years ago. My father said here, when Barack Obama was president, he was very unmerciful to the Jewish nation of Israel. But in President Trump's first term, uh, Trump saved the Jewish nation from much of Obama's tyranny. My father says here, uh, note that Obama's main foreign policy aim was to align America with Iran, Israel's enemy, and the world's number one terrorist sponsoring nation. Iran's main goal is to bring America down and wipe Judah off the map. They state it openly, right? Of course they do. It says, but America, for America to support Iran makes no sense unless you realize that this leader is trying to blot out the name of Israel. Iranian leaders talk about this all the time. This nation wants to blot out the name of Israel. That includes America and Britain. It says, yet Americans allowed their president to enact that foreign policy. And now that foreign policy is back. He's talking about after they stole the election and installed the fake president, Joe Biden. That same foreign policy, spearheaded by Barack Obama, is back. It's back. Listen to this. Biden is empowering Iran so it may soon obtain nuclear weapons. And then my father says, I'm certain we will have more Palestinian terrorist attacks now because of who is in charge. I'm certain of it. And here they are, a little over two years into Joe Biden's fake administration, a horrific attack, the worst one-day attack on Israel since it was established as a Jewish state. If you want to get tomorrow's news headlines today, make sure you call our operators and request your free subscription to the, the Trumpet Magazine. The 800 number is 1-866-930-3024. Speaking of Iran, well, maybe I can just give you a quick quote. It's the same website, Unheard, uh, which says three factors played into Hamas's success. Complacency and unpreparedness inside Israel, exacerbated by internal schism, the strengthening of Hamas's great power backer, Iran, and the rapid unraveling of America's global leadership. And now Israel finds itself here at the outset of what will surely be a brutal and bloody uh, conflict 
street to street in Gaza City and thereabouts, speaking of the real war being with Iran, as this unheard article brings out. Look at this footage. You can just play it alongside me there. It's the footage of uh, the Hamas leaders in Qatar, uh, together with the Iranian foreign minister. They're greeting each other. This happened on Friday. The Iranian foreign minister, he's in Qatar, in, in Qatar, I mean, all the Hamas leaders, they live in these, these sky rises and pent, beautiful penthouses. Qatar, remember, I mean, they just hosted the World Cup last year. Everybody was celebrating this. And, and they're giving safe haven to Hamas leaders. And then in comes the Iranian foreign minister. It's all happening right out in front of Western leaders who continue going on about how, no, no, Iran's not involved in anything that happened nine days ago. Listen to Joe Biden from, uh, from uh, his 60 Minutes interview. This is clip seven. Is Iran behind the Gaza war? I don't want to get into classified information, but to be very blunt with you, there is no clear evidence of that. At this point, no this evidence point. that Iran is behind any of this. Correct. Now, Iran constantly supports Hamas and Hezbollah. I don't mean that. But in terms of where they, did they have foreknowledge? Did they help plan the attack? They, they, there's no evidence of that at this point. Here again, you see Pelly uh, working very hard to, to finish all of the sentences or to elaborate on it, to add, to, to add a little bit more detail. But there's Joe Biden. Kurt, John Kirby's out doing the same thing on the talk shows. Yeah, now, historically, yeah, they, they really do support Hamas. They train them, they fund them, that sort of thing. But on this specific, this little tiny, tiny attack that resulted in 1,400 Jews and others being butchered, Iran had, uh, had nothing to do with that. So let's not hold them to account. Just go in, get the Hamas fighters, kill them, and then pull back out. And we'll go back to the status quo. And, and then we'll keep funding, we'll keep funding Hamas, we'll keep funding the Palestinian Authority, we'll keep funding uh, Iran. We'll give them billions, all of them. <laughs> how could a, com- seriously, how could a commentator, a, a, conserv- a supposed conservative one at that, conclude that last week for Joe Biden was just magnificent? Just fantastic, I guess perfect. This is what perfect looks like. For these people, so many of them that hate their country, Joe Biden was asked about a second term. Listen to how he responded to that question from last night, clip nine. Mr. President, given these two wars and the dysfunction in Congress, are you sure that you want to run again? Yes, because I'm sure. Look, when I ran, I said the world's at an inflection point. The world's changing, but we have an opportunity to make it. So imagine if we were able to succeed in getting the Middle East put in place where we have normalization of relations. I think we can do that. Imagine what happens if we, in fact, unite all of Europe and Putin is finally put down where he cannot cause the kind of trouble he's been causing. We have enormous opportunities, enormous opportunities to make it a better world. A better world. Nothing in there about the American people or what Americans want. He gets in. He gets in. He's the puppet, I understand. He gets in. It blows up in Ukraine. Now it blows up in Israel. 
soon to be blowing up in Gaza. And he says, hey, just imagine if I get another term, imagine if I could bring peace to all those areas that have blown up under my watch. The world is going up in flames, in case you haven't noticed. And there he is. There he is saying that, hey, it's a, I mean, it's been a magnificent time for my administration. And you have, you have some in the regime media who are actually foolish enough to promote that sort of a self-evaluation. Listen to him go on about the, I guess, the unlimited resources of the great United States of America who can su support, I guess, all these efforts all over the world, no problem, and just keep printing off the money and so on. This is clip 10. Are the wars in Israel and Ukraine more than the United States can take on at the same time? Why the United States of America, for God's sake? The most powerful nation in the history, not in the world, in the history of the world. The history of the world. We can take care of both of these and still maintain our overall international defense. I mean, that one there kind of, it's just kind of scary. If we didn't know what we know regarding Bible prophecy, to see the arrogance, to see the irrational confidence that America can just continue on this same path, give us another term, in fact. The U.S. and Britain in prophecy. I mean, this is your guide light, really, when looking at, examining, watching world events and knowing what's next. I told you about the Trumpet magazine for tomorrow's headlines. There's quite a few of tomorrow's headlines contained in this volume as well. Call our operators today and request your free copy. You can also get to all of the literature at our website, thetrumpet.com. If you happen to be at our Rumble channel at the moment, uh, be sure to leave us a thumbs up and a nice comment at the end of the show if you so choose. And uh, also, if you'd like to follow me on Twitter, you can uh, reach my feed at Stephen Fleury. Uh, well, that's it, at Stephen Fleury. <laughs> You're listening to Stephen Fleury, and this is the Trumpet Daily. When we come back, we'll conclude with our Bible study segment. Daily News, Bible Prophecy. See the connection on The Trumpet Daily. Are you feeling overwhelmed by the flood of news and information? You need something to sift the news and bring you only what matters most. You need The Trumpet Daily. You also need something to help you understand not just what's happening now, but what will happen next. You need The Trumpet Daily. Only the Trumpet Daily accurately matches daily news to precise Bible prophecies. Because Bible prophecy is the only tool up to the task of sifting the news down to what's important and showing you what will happen next. Join host Stephen Fleury every weekday. Go to TrumpetDaily.com. All right, let us finish today's show. My voice a little raspy today. Hopefully it'll hold out for the next uh, 10 minutes or so. I think I was a little too ramped up in, uh, in the doctrines class this morning. So two hours of uh, energy 
It's taking its toll on the, the vocal cords. In the preface of Mystery of the Ages, I don't have that book up here on the table today, but if you've seen even the cover of Mr. Armstrong's classic work, written there in the last year of his life. I mean, he asks all of these, these penetrating questions, and he asks them all through the book. At the outset of each chapter, this is from the, the preface, he says, your life is engulfed in mysteries. When you reflect, your very existence is a mystery. Did you simply happen by unintelligent, resonant, earthly forces without meaning or purpose? Or were you intelligently designed and created by an all-powerful God of supreme mind for a purpose that also has been hidden in a mystery? It says, if the all-powerful God was your maker and exists as the divine creator of all that is, then the mystery about God emerges in order of time sequence as the first and paramount mystery of all. Who and what is God? I mean, what is God working out here below? What is his purpose? I was telling the students in doctrines, we were on a, a powerful subject. Maybe that's why I got a little too excited. But here, God, you can read. You can read in Ezekiel 28 and Isaiah 14 about God creating the the angelic creation, Lucifer, as one of three archangels. I mentioned he had all that training at God's throne room, right at the mountain of God. And then God said, I set you on the throne of this earth. So there was a throne on earth, and, and Lucifer was given jurisdiction over the earth. He was to rule one-third of the angels. And, of course, we know what happened with him. Instead of ruling them with God's loving government, he led them in rebellion, and a third of the angels went along, and they're now demons. And when that happened, as Herbert Armstrong explains in Mystery of the Ages, the government of God was removed from this earth. And yet, God left Satan on the throne of this earth to fulfill his purpose. He was to be left on that throne for 6,000 years before there would then be a thousand years of millennial rest from sin. The devil, of course, being the author of sin, the father of sin, of transgression. So you go into Genesis 1, 2, and 3, and along comes Adam and Eve, and God says to both of them, our first parents, now, I want you to have dominion over the earth, over all the animals and such, but the whole, the whole earth, subdue it. And in the Garden of Eden, dress it, keep it. He gave, he gave Adam and Eve all of these tasks and responsibilities. And he said, now I want you to learn how to rule the earth in this case, to rule it the right way. Now, they were incomplete in their originally created state. They needed, they had a human spirit that allowed for them to think and reason. It was a godly type mind even, a mind that could create and God said, you need the Spirit of God to combine with the human spirit in order for your spiritual creation to be completed. As you know, I'm giving you the briefest of summaries here, but Adam and Eve rejected the tree of life, which represented the Holy Spirit of God, and instead chose from the forbidden tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then at the end of uh, sorry, Genesis 3, God says, all right, you've made your decision. 
I'm cutting you and the human civilization that will come out from you. I'm cutting you off from the Holy Spirit of God. And for 6,000 years, all of mankind's been cut off from it, except for a, a select few, not selected because they're anything special, but because God needs a few to, call, to come out in advance and to train for positions of rulership. And Christ said in Revelation 3, verse 21, write these verses down and go read them. Please, please read them. Jesus said, if you overcome the way I overcame our adversary, the devil, then you're going to rule with me on my throne, just as I'm with God the Father on his throne at this moment. God called us into the church to be overcomers, to be conquerors. Now, Jesus is coming back, as I was saying in class today, as King of kings and Lord of lords. It, and you'd be hard-pressed to find, really, any denomination in the traditional Christian world that even believes in the literal return of Jesus Christ to this earth. Those who, I guess, say anything near that teaching, that prophecy, you know, explain it in kind of a rapture sort of way where, you know, the saints or the whoever, they're lifted up out of a chaotic and violent civilization and then carted off into heaven where who knows what really happens next. Why, when there's so many verses in the Bible that talk about Christ returning to this earth with, with the first fruits, with his bride, to rule, to rule the earth with the rod of iron. Read Revelation 2, 26 and 27. I mentioned those verses last week. God wants to give us power over the nations. And look, I'm bringing all of this up because, as I was telling the students this morning, when you look at our world today, I mean, among other things, you are seeing a catastrophic failure of human government. It's on display every day. Look at the way leaders today reason with one another or reason with leaders from abroad or another nation. They're behaving, so many, so many of those leaders are behaving not like leaders with a mind, but rather like animals, just like my father brings out in the latest issue of the Trumpet Magazine. What was the title again? I gave you some quotes last week. World leaders who no longer have a human mind. This is where we are. This is what we're descending into. So now, more than ever, I mean, we need to be asking the most important questions. Who and what is God? And what is God working out on this earth? My father wrote, this is an old Royal Vision article from 20 years ago. It says, the first mystery solved in Mystery of the Ages is who and what is God? That's the most significant and wonderful question ever asked in the universe. Knowing that brings us all together. The whole world is going to learn that truth or they will have no future. Where is God today? If he's alive, where is he? The reason this is so important is because answering that question, it bring, like my father says there, brings us all uh, together. We've got to get back to the basics, the fundamentals. Who and what is God? This is from Mystery of the Ages. It says, the billions now living on earth not only are ignorant of the most important knowledge, who and what God is, 
they seem not to want to know. They are willingly in ignorance of this most important knowledge and relationship possible in human life. Astonishing, but true. He says, and why have human minds been willingly ignorant of man's most important relationship? He says, one explanation only is possible. All nations have been deceived. That's Revelation 12 and verse 9. It says, and the fact of this universal deception makes certain the fact of a super deceiver. You can see this also in 2 Corinthians 4, verses 3 and 4, that Satan has blinded the minds of man to this most important truth, to the answers to this most important question. And so the world, for the most part, it's worldwide. There's a few exceptions, but the world is deceived. The whole world is deceived. That's exactly how it's stated in Deuteron or sorry, in, in Revelation 12. That's another verse, Revelation 12 and verse 9. Uh, jot it down and look it up and meditate on it. My father at our fall festival just a few weeks ago talked about how many times the word Selah is mentioned, primarily in the, in the book of Psalms. And the meaning there is for us to stop and to pause and to think on what is happening in this world, on what these scriptures are actually saying, and how hope-filled these many prophetic passages are. If we can see beyond the carnage, the violence, the evil in the near future to the government of God, the family of God, that's to be established on this earth. We'll continue with this discussion at a later time. For now, that's about all we have time for on today's show. You're listening to Stephen Florian. This is the Trumpet Daily. We appreciate you joining us on today's show, and we'll see you tomorrow.